2: Good afternoon and welcome to One Life Left live from GDC. We're in the Moscone again and it's the second day of our broadcast oh, nice. from the show floor. I'm Steve Curran. I'm Simon Byron.
3: And I'm Anne Hanselbreed.
2: And we have got an amazing guest lineup, but that guest lineup begins with one very special guest. It's Chris Graft from Gama Sutra. I'm the special guest. Yeah, that's you're all
4: we've got today. Okay, that makes sense. How are you doing, Chris? Um, I'm doing fine. What's, uh, what's been happening? Uh, well, hmm. I can tell you what's going to happen. Can you? That's yeah. quite a skill. <laughs> yeah. You could make some money out of that. I know. It's the magic of calendars. Okay. Um, uh, I need to leave uh, not too long from now because I am going to go to a very special Game Developers Conference um, post-mortem.
3: Who died?
4: Um,
5: and why are you doing it? <laughs> like, I mean, I know they have different practices in America, but we have people that do that back yeah. in the UK.
4: No, um, it's actually um, Yu Suzuki. Uh, are you familiar with him? I am very familiar with mm-hmm. him. Yeah,
5: um, he made uh, Space Harrier and video
4: games and
5: video games. Yes, yeah, exactly.
4: Um, yeah, he's going to give. Uh, he's going to be talking about the making of Shenmue. What time's that on? Two o'clock. I might come with you. So you should come should to we that. Crack on. Let's go. Yeah, Goodbye. Exactly, yeah. <laughs>
6: uh,
2: Anne, is he coming on the show?
3: Uh, not that I'm aware of. No.
2: You should be aware of it, given um, that I'm, you've been booking the um, guests.
3: I'm not aware, so no.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, so, do you think he's got any special announcements to make today? Maybe a sequel to a popular franchise?
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm um, Shenmue Online Two.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
4: okay, good.
2: Uh, so that's exciting, but that's not all we've got on the show. We've got Terry Kavanagh. Terry. Hello there. Hey Terry, how are you doing?
1: Really good. Really, really good.
2: Are you having a nice
5: show?
1: Uh, so far it's, it's pretty good. What, what have you been up to over here? I've been on vacation, basically. Okay. I'm hanging out in parks and going to parties.
5: So, do you consider this part of your vacation or is this, or is this work now? No, this is work. This okay. is very stressful. So... <laughs> Uh, GEC View. I was sat uh, in the Moscone Hall as Steve mentioned, and there's a big screen uh, opposite us which is cycling through. Uh, footage of the various awards and Super Hexagon's up there Terry isn't it no it isn't sorry it isn't up there currently Super Mario 3D World as far as <laughs> away you, you didn't do that but um, it is up for an award this evening isn't it no it's not well it's definitely up on that screen it's are been up sure? on that screen I guarantee it yeah we'll, we'll, I we'll wait I, I think good. I know um, right. we'll, we'll just sit in silence <laughs> okay and wait for that footage to roll over still <laughs> Super Mario okay okay. Uh, okay
1: so what so what are you doing here are you are it's you uh, changing are you talking to it's anybody changing um, I've been coming to GDC for five years or so now. Um, yeah, and this year I kind of just wanted to see it as a vacation. I mostly come here to meet the thousand or so indie Game devs who flock to San Francisco for one week, right? It's a really good opportunity just to just hang out with people that you never ever see. So that's why I'm here. Cool. Uh, we went to you last night at uh, a, a drinks reception, which was organised by Steve. Uh, that right. was
5: fun, wasn't it? And then you went off to uh, an 8-bit event?
1: Yeah, I went to a Chip um, chiptune party. How was that? Really fun. Um, again, mostly stood outside to talk to people. So,
2: Terry, yesterday you were telling us how you invented Maverick Bird on a bus. <laughs>
1: That's not quite right. Um, so a couple of years back, I, I made a game called Maverick Bus, um, and Maverick Bird is kind of a sequel-ish thing to that. Um, Maverick Bus is a thing I made in my first uh, UK game jam. Okay. Um, Yeah, back in 2007. But you were inspired by a bus ride to make Maverick Bus. I was staying with some random guy in London and uh, we took a bus back to his flat. We had half an hour to kill and we had laptops. So we said, let's make a game on the bus.
2: We've been trying to work out how to have ideas because we think we need to have better ideas. Do you have any recommendations? How to have ideas? Mm. I don't know. How does it work? Well, we're asking you. We, we don't know, and we can't think of how to have ideas because we can't have ideas. I don't think that's really something you're in control of. Oh, so we're just bad at ideas. I guess so. You wouldn't have guessed it by the radio show. Every,
6: everybody
4: gets ideas in the shower, right? That's
5: exactly, yeah, that's been yeah. the column
1: th- the, So you should have a game jam in the shower. Terry, how in the of jam. you... Yeah. <laughs> you say
5: you've been coming here for five years. How's it has it
1: changed during that, that, that time? Um... Yeah, the, the biggest change for me, I mean I'm only really interested in the indie stuff and uh, the IGF was kind of a, a bit of a sideshow the first year I came and it seems to be a bigger and bigger part of it every year. Um, yeah, really the IGF is very different from the rest of GDC. Yeah. Are there too many indies now? Too many? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Well, uh, just to
5: repeat something I mentioned to you earlier on, I, I was chatting to a prominent member of the UK Games Press this morning, and they said, they, I said, oh yeah, how are you doing? Uh, what has been up to? Oh yeah, they, they went to a humble party last night. I said, what was that? And they said, too many indies there.
1: Yeah, there'd be a lot of them there, all right. Right. Are you suggesting an indie
5: cull? Well, no, I'm not. I'm just passing on what a prominent member of the UK Games Press said to me this morning. How would you do
2: that? How would you, how would you get rid of the indies? You'd have to lead them into a room, wouldn't you? <laughs> Tell them, temp them maybe, with a humble bundle. Welcome back to One Life Left vs. Gamasutra In the You're you're welcome, crowds (laughs) They're pleased to see us back on
4: (laughs) Did you hear that
5: enthusiasm? Exactly
2: What game is it in the classic arcade that's attracting so much attention? Uh, It's a game called Killer Queen, it looks like Yeah, I've never heard of that Hello, Manvir Hello, (laughs) Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And yourself? Uh, Great. It's so good to have you on the show. You're a returning guest from last year. Yes, it's very exciting. It's unusual for us to have someone back. Usually they'll never see us again. Uh, Yes, but that's in fairness because I blackmailed you. (laughs) So, um, can you introduce yourself to our listeners, just in case they didn't hear your first appearance on the show?
7: Uh, Sure. My name is uh, Manvir Hare. I'm a gameplay designer at Bioware Montreal on the Mass Effect franchise. That's exciting. Yes, definitely. I'm excited. Anne, are you excited?
3: Super excited. What are you here for, though?
7: Oh, I'm here f- to give a talk uh, on the advocacy track at GDC on uh, misogyny, racism, and homophobia in video games.
3: That's uh, that's only in a little bit's time, isn't it? Are you nervous?
7: Uh, I'm a slightly nervous, but, you know, I get to talk with you guys and just not think about it, so that's much, much better.
4: Wait, now, you're going to be against those things yeah. that yeah. you said, right? Uh, well, you know, you, ha- ha- you
7: have to show up to the talk and maybe find out if I am pro-misogyny, <laughs> racism, and homophobia or against them. We, we
4: don't want to spoil it yet. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Can you outline your talk? Absolutely. Um, Basically, I wanted to take a look at the video games themselves and the contents within them and see how do we treat those sorts of subjects of different types of social injustice. Um, So what sort of stereotypes do we put in our game? Do they run across racial and gender lines, things like that? Um, Can people identify with, with what they are seeing in the game? Are there ways to improve... Uh, and how do we even build our game mechanics and our dynamics of the game um, that could tell the players more, uh, give them more understanding about how like maybe systemic racism like, occurs and exists and why?
2: That seems to be too smart a topic for One Life Left to deal with. <laughs> do you know any jokes? Uh, I do, but unfortunately they're all racist, misogynistic
5: and homophobic. <laughs> So how did you uh,
7: how did you get involved in that talk then? Is it something that you proposed or? Yeah, so uh, I proposed it. You know, this is a talk I've wanted to give for about three years, I'd say, and I've been thinking about it. I've been talking about this. You know, I'm uh, Indian American, so um, I-, I identify as an American, but I'm brown, and so I've always noticed I don't quite fit in the video game industry, and I have even the rest of the world. I always noticed that maybe I'm not. I'm like the one brown guy in a room. So often, right? So. And I started hearing these very common themes amongst uh, LGBTQ people having similar conversations and uh, uh, women gamers having conversations and all these other things. And I was like, someone should be talking about that at our biggest conference, yeah. and nobody is. So I proposed that, you know, when the advocacy track got brought in last year, uh, it was something I was really interested in doing because now there was a area for that talk to go. Because before, it's, like, it's not a design talk. It's right. not a programming talk. It's, a, it's like, who are we as an industry talk? Yeah. Things do seem to be
5: improving. I appreciate that they've still got a long way to go. But it's great that we're having these discussions and conversations about it. I think, yeah, it seems that we're making moves in the right direction. But
7: Sure. I I think we definitely are making steps in the right direction. But I think they're still small steps. You know, they're improving in the way that 6% is better than 5%, not in the way that 25% is better than 5%. And I think we can go faster. I think we can do better. Um, and I want to kind of you know inspire and challenge people to think about these things and at least actively know um, why they're falling back on some of the depictions and the representations that they put in the game instead of it just being the default. Um, like a good example is I have an indie friend who made a game and had a family in it, and he just went to an artist that he outsourced and was like, "I want a family," you know. And when he got that back, it was white, and in his head they were white, and like in the artist's head they were white, and. Well, why was that the automatic thing that everyone draws upon? Well, there's cultural reasons for that, and that's sort of the thing that I explore. Right. It does seem to be, um,
2: or it did seem to be, a big theme of last year's GDC. Uh, And I wonder whether you've noticed any themes for GDC 2014 already.
7: Um, I just think the advocacy track in general Is much expanded this year It's much larger So I think the social issues across the board There's um, talks about you know uh, Putting queerness into your games And my talk um, And a lot the one reason to be panel Which is about being a woman in games And you know, uh, things that have happened in that um, And so I think that's a huge theme this year And I looked at the schedule of all the talks I want to go to And they're usually very full of design talks And this year there's a lot more social stuff That I'm really interested in Because that's the stuff I end up talking to people uh, about after, you know, after hours at the bar or the the parties or whatever, all that sort of thing.
2: We were talking to Jamie Wu and Lee Alexander on the first show we did about perhaps One Life Left making a move into video game development and somehow producing a game based on, I'm not saying it's a clone of, but based on Tinder. Um, I wonder if you have any design input.
7: (laughs) Uh, it's a Tinder, a, a Tinder-based game. Mm. I mean, wouldn't it just be hot or not? I don't even know. Isn't that game already made?
2: I mean, Tinder is a little bit like a game anyway. But we wonder whether maybe we could add achievements.
7: I, I've still not played with Tinder. I believe Anne's supposed to teach me Tinder. <laughs> oh
3: yeah, I've, uh, I've got plans to teach video. Your,
7: your <laughs> reputation proceeds it, it?
2: <laughs>
5: Thanks, Manther. <dear. laughs>
2: one life left live from gdc 2014 in san francisco and do what you do best paint a
4: picture it's
3: quite busy in here right now uh, lots of people milling around looking at the conference at a glance uh wall over there and then um, there's uh
4: peter molyneux just drawing yeah, he's you know, walking past casually.
3: maybe he'll be a guest on in a in a second but yeah it seems it, uh, today it seems buzzing steve Whereas yesterday, maybe it was, you know, a little more sedate. Today, it's definitely up.
2: Well, the expo has opened today, hasn't it, Chris?
4: Um, yes, it did. And it is also, I would I would say that there's a, um, a certain amount of buzz going on there as so well. What so is,
2: what is the expo?
4: Um, it's a place where our exhibitors go and um, they can show the new products they have available and um, they can interact with the attendees and... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really uh, it's really busy today, and it's looking good. Is
2: there anything we should be checking out at the Xbox?
4: Um, you know what? Uh, I I think that Technical Illusions is out there, and I want to go talk to them. They uh, they make the Cast AR augmented reality glasses. Cool. Yeah. So like, I I like the virtual. There's a lot of virtual reality stuff, but. Not too many augmented.
3: What's reality wrong with stuff. a real reality?
4: It sucks. You have to <laughs> ask that.
5: <laughs> I'll just give you a Peter Molyneux update. Uh, he's uh, he's he's moved on.
7: <laughs>
5: <Yeah. done> <laughs> like pa- painting a picture. Exactly. Just casual. <laughs> <laughs> Currently the new count is zero uh, yeah. uh, in our field of view. But however, we have been joined by a new guest. Hello, sir. Who are you? Uh,
8: my name's Alex Fleetwood. Hello, Alex. How's it going? It's, it's really good, thank you. Great. What are you doing here? Uh, I am enjoying being at a games conference uh, without having uh, anything to do. It's wonderful. So um, I was the founder of a game studio called Hide and Seek. And we wrapped that up uh, just at the end of last year. Um, so I'm wandering around in a, in a pleasantly opiated haze, um, not <laughs> not 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 pitching anybody, uh, not selling anything. I have nothing. I have nothing to persuade you of the merits of. It. It's wonderful. <laughs> so that's that's different to previous shows, then. It is. Is yes. it okay? So 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 what have you been able to take in so far? Um, well, I had a g- I had my first go on the Oculus Rift. Excellent. And, um, I enjoyed that. I you know shot. What did some- you play on it? I played, I played both games. I went around twice. I had uh, so Couch Nights, um, which um, is a virtual reality experience in which you sit on a couch. Um, uh, I'm liking it, I'm liking it. <laughs> um, and you have uh, these little kind of um, female knight avatars who are kind of jumping around the couch environment. Um, and it's a, it's a two-player game, and, you're playing a, uh, so you, and your opponent is represented in the space. So there's like a person sitting on the couch. Um, not, it, it was weird because he was sitting on my right in real life and on my, and on my left in the game. But um, when I I was disappointed because I then tried to start shooting that guy as opposed to his night avatar and nothing happened I'm like, come on! Like, surely, surely, if you're going to represent the person in the game, I should, I should, like, he
4: should get a Chinese burn. You mean you, when you, you, I, um, you're expecting the, the real fireballs. guy beside you to have been injured?
8: Yeah, I, I was, I was. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was. They you really took out the Oculus
4: Rift left- and uh, saw that he was sitting there completely unharmed, and then it just broke <laughs> the reality for. If I
8: if I'd had more time to prepare, I would have, you know. Um, uh, kind of shot a fireball and then
4: reached over and hit him. <laughs> you truly are a man with nothing to lose
6: here. At GDC.
5: <laughs> so, of course, since our last show, uh, there's been a, another virtual reality uh, launch. There are now rivals, aren't there? The uh, Sony's Project Morpheus. Have you seen that out there?
8: Um, I have. You have to uh, have, have been here first thing this morning to get some kind of ticket, right? Um, with a time slot on it, and then you come back with a time slot. Okay. So, um, and all those tickets have gone now, they? Okay? For today, so you can come back tomorrow morning. Um, so, anyone who wants to do a comparison. Of the two, um, is going to need to do that. Can you send someone along to pick up the yes. ticket for you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm. You're, you're mistaking me for, again. I re- refer to my previous answer about having no, no nothing to do. Chris I don't, I don't know,
2: <laughs> Chris. Would you mind getting us a ticket for the Ocul- uh, for the uh, Project Morpheus? You know thing? what?
4: I'm going to see what I can do. At least we can figure out a virtual reality, uh, reality scenario. That makes you feel like you're going to see Sony's exactly. Project you, you, you Morpheus. You do that in the
8: Oculus Rift,
4: yeah. You? yeah. <laughs> <If> you <can. laughs> yeah. Uh, are you looking forward to any uh,
8: particular talks, Alex? Um, I'm going to be going to the Shemuri uh, Postmortem at two
4: o'clock. Me too. We were just talking um, about that.
8: Yeah, because you know, um, of course, uh, um, Brenda R- Romero is giving a couple of talks. She's always
4: brilliant
3: oh, yeah. to listen to. We're excited about that.
5: Yeah, she was on the show yesterday. She she held up a slide uh, that she's going to. Uh, put on screen during her rant, and um, I've never seen anything quite like it actually. It was obscene. <laughs> it was obscene. Oh, good. Unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> genuinely
8: true. <laughs> so, so come for the smart, stay for the insight. Exactly. Um, that's good. I'm just conduct- consulting the GDC official app to remember what else. It's it is. good, mate. Um, the app isn't it? it actually, is I good. really do like I it. Genuinely, um, you know, I have used it. That's always a good sign. I was. Um, I even didn't mind the push notification
5: this morning telling me that the expo was open, which which I knew. <laughs> <laughs>
8: but, but yeah,
5: no, it's a it's a, it's it's a really good app, and uh, yeah, great way to keep track of the uh, of the of the sessions. Yeah. I've been unable to attend just yet, but.
8: Um, so let's see here. That's yesterday. This is today. Uh, um, I'm uh, yeah, uh, Manveer, who you just had on, and his session um, is obviously significant. Um, you know, Sean Allen, who did one of the rants at the Games Summit uh, yesterday, and you know, I still have all these problems of representation, and um, uh, he did a great job. So I'm definitely going to go along to see that. Um, Kelly Santiago talking about her year at Uya. Yep, she was on the show yesterday as well. Yep. Okay, I'm
2: just—they've just all been on the show. Right?
8: I am, exactly. Yeah. I am also curious. There's a session called U.S. National Investment in the Future of Games. So there's a kind of you know sort of Arts Council type funding for game studios here in America, um, which given there isn't Arts Council funding type really? uh, funding in, in the UK, we should all move over. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, that's my that's, that's my list. Okay, thanks, Alex.
2: Back with One Life Left at GDC 2014. Uh, listening to us earlier, you'll have noted that we've been keeping a running Peter Molyneux count of the number of Peter Molyneux on the show. It was zero. Simon, do you want to update? Well, looking out on the show floor, I can still see uh, there are no Peter
5: Molyneux out there either.
3: Uh, look to your left Simon. He's on the show at last. <laughs> Peter. <Please, upon you. laughs> Thank you so
5: much for joining us. No not at all. It's, at- a, it's a real pleasure and um, yeah here we are. Here we are and you're with Jack. Hello Jack. Hi how's it B- going? Both of you are from 22cans?
9: Yes um, we're both designers and uh, Jack is, is even more creative and crazy than I am. Right. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so what have you guys been up to out here? Well, mostly losing stuff. <laughs> right. I heard. You, you yeah. lost a badge.
9: You know, I lost my badge. So I there's a
4: badge uh, floating around up there. Uh, yeah. It's Peter Molyneux. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I hope I find yes. that. Yeah,
9: I, I, and
5: there's sure to be I more. bet that comes with some sort of some privileges, doesn't no. it? Well,
9: no, certainly not. Right. No privileges. Either. There's no executive bathrooms or anything like So
5: did that. you, because um, it says quite specifically on the back of the badges, treat like cash? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it does. The did the you badge, spend it somewhere, yeah. like at a sandwich? <laughs> <The exact same. laughs> So did you, get any, did you get any hassle? Oh yes, treat like, it does, like Yeah, cash. No wonder well, they
9: looked at me as if I had, you know, leprosy when I if, said... If only you know, you'd read the rules. I know, if only I'd read the rules. Uh, I, prim- mean, I, had a, I had a real choice because I left my passport in one
5: restaurant and I sent my badge in the other restaurant. Nice. It was, it was a question which way
9: to turn. Wow.
5: Uh, so you're in the country and the yeah. show. Congratulations! Yeah. So uh, you did a talk yesterday, did you?
9: I did. Yes, I did a talk, and uh, surprisingly, it was about desks. Right? <laughs> is that um, a subject that's close to your heart? Well, it is actually, because my my whole premise, and uh, and I could see people's faces just glaze over with tedium as I this was what we came for. <laughs> successive pictures of my desk, yeah. and I had this this the of my desk the more uh, creative I am. Okay. So, uh, you know, I I went from having a desk and a keyboard that I used as an ashtray to the Microsoft lovely, clean, white desk with a pot of plants in a corner and a lamp in in the other corner. So, and, you know, I, I made the analogy between mess and chaos and creativity.
4: Can you describe um, your desk at its messiest when you are, uh, you know, when, when is your, just describe a very messy desk, give us an idea.
9: So um, we've got to talk about the age of food. Um, uh, normally there is, it's is—it's—it's not the just the physical, visible mess, and I did want to do, but uh, well, I didn't get around to, a time lapse of my desk, going from messy to tidy. It's the, the, the smell because <laughs> hidden
4: it's not just, So it's not just clutter, it's like no, refuse. It's like, clutter, and, like and
9: you know, every, every, I'm sure every developer's done this, is the half age of a banana. <laughs> you know, how long is it
2: before a banana becomes li- a liquid form <laughs> and uh, pollutes your iMac or something?
1: Right. This,
2: is, this is interesting to us because we've been talking to a lot of developers about how you generate right. ideas, yeah. and almost all of them have said, oh, I have my best ideas in the shower. Right. You seem to be taking the opposite approach. Yeah, foodic- <laughs> Crouch well, over
4: on yeah. a rotten banana. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
9: Well, I mean, the shower is for one thing only. I mean, you're naked and you've got soap. So, I
4: mean, I, you know, there's only one idea going
0: through my mind.
4: <laughs> you know, and I'm naked and bar soap that, was that was a trend. That was a trend. Hygiene. We're back. Yeah, we are Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I'm
5: up until uh, just then, Anne was responsible for painting pictures. But uh, thank you for that, Peter. <laughs> no, that, I've got plenty more where that comes from. I wish you so uh, the talk's done, pressure off. How do you spend the rest of your GDC? Well, uh, I, I am
9: locked away in a room, and uh, this is my big outing. Okay. Uh, I'm locked away in the room talking to press like some demented fool. Yeah. And um, so, I, you know, I have half-hour interviews, okay. I, I talk. And as, the, as it goes on, as it always, I, I get progressively more and more emotional. So my last interview is me normally sobbing <laughs> in
2: tears
9: in, and, and this journalist edging towards the door right. as, I'm, as I'm sort of pressing them up and gushing them with passion right. and, and uh, emotion.
5: Excellent. We should have caught you later then. So how, how are things at 22 Cans?
9: No, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing, incredible place. I mean, we're, we're just... We've been on this two-year journey to create this game called Goddess. We've done Kickstarter, we've done experiments with Curiosity, we've done early access. Our game's been called interesting, boring, fascinating, delightful. And in three weeks' time, we launch it on mobile. So it it couldn't be more um, incredible...
5: I guess, and it's been quite a change for you then, I I guess, with the, the, uh, the stuff that you've done before... You uh, know, uh, actually going sort of almost back to your roots, I guess. Yeah, it,
9: it, it's back to the roots, and it, and it and it really is, you know, this great stupid thing of leaving this wonderful place, Microsoft, and this comfortable, you know, padded cell, you could call it, but this comfortable, secure place, and leaving that for, you know, a little life raft with a big hole in it, where right. you have to bail out every every two minutes, and just being. You know, just coming and creating a team and, you know, just focusing on one single idea is is,
4: is just been incredible. So now it's just you and your bananas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
9: yeah, I've, I've got bananas. And fascinatingly, Jack sitting next to me has, his desk is twice
10: as messy as mine. He's, he's the ideas yeah. man.
5: See, I don't agree about this. It's kind of like when Peter wants something clean on his desk, suddenly the, the excuse is it's my desk creeping onto well, his Well, hang on
9: a second. That <laughs> is empirically true. <laughs> <laughs> Our desks are one. The we're we're is, like the hive mind of if desks. If you take
5: your your eye off your, your MacBook for a moment, you'll look back and see lots of electronic cigarettes sticking in the USB ports.
9: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Just about every outlet has got an electronic cigarette. I've actually, I could say we should explain about it electronic cigarettes is i've got my electronic cigarette which i i I suckle on constantly (laughs) but i also have my electronic cigar so when i'm nice you know i'm not only a designer i'm a ceo
5: so when i'm the (laughs) ceo i've got
9: my cigar and that normally involves some sort of redundancy process (laughs) (laughs) so
5: you know you're in trouble Excellent. Well, thank you so much both for coming on. Uh, we could talk to you for all show, but I feel like that would be unfair on the rest of our guests. But you must come on One Life Left uh, when we're all back in the UK because it's yes, an absolutely be. fascinating glimpse yeah. into how you're working okay. these days. Yeah. So, yeah, OK, excellent. Okay. Thanks, thank guys. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. Thank
6: you.
2: Welcome back. We're One Life Left. We're a video game radio show from London, England, but right now we're in San Francisco.
3: Uh, we are versus Gamasutra. Uh, Gamasutra just left them.
2: We, <laughs> we won.
5: We won. We defeated them. Pete, uh, well, was good, wasn't he? He was excellent. excellent well, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah that was, uh, absolutely. We would definitely have to get him on the on the proper show, which you can listen to on. Resonance 104.4 FM if you're in London uh, you can listen to it on the internet resonancefm.com, uh and the show is podcast every Wednesday
11: So we've got a new guest haven't we? We
3: do have a new guest Hello guest Hello Hey do you want to introduce yourself?
11: Hi I'm Aaron Cotto I work at Blizzard um, I do a lot of physics programming um, you might know me for Box2D which was used uh, to create Angry Birds wow
3: that's quite something yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what What? <laughs> tell us a bit more about that
11: so at the GDC in 2006 I was giving a I was part of a physics tutorial and for that tutorial I created a little demo physics engine to try to teach people how to program this sort of thing and to my surprise people just started making games from that demo code right. and and then so I, I decided, well, okay, I'm going to make this open-source physics engine that people can use to make games, and uh, it just kind of took off. And um, eventually, yeah, it turned out that Angry Birds... Wow! Was using it. I was at um, a Rovio
5: Talk uh, probably a couple of years ago. Did you stand up at the end of that and ask it? Yes, yeah, you that, did, didn't you? Yes, yes. I'm quite <laughs> right famous it out, for that. You
2: pointed it out to them. <laughs> so our listeners aren't necessarily au fait with video games. We like to introduce them to that world.
11: Can you explain to them why physics is so important to video games? So if you look at a game like Angry Birds, you know, you're launching these little birds and then they crash into these blocks and the blocks fall down and slide around there's a lot of geometry there there's actual physics and friction and and somebody needs to write the code to simulate all of that Mm -hmm. and that's kind of my specialty and it sort of gives games a more naturalistic feel doesn't it things behave like you'd expect exactly it makes games more intuitive they're reactive it makes games more fun are you here to do a talk at gdc i run a physics tutorial that we have every year and we have a bunch of really smart physics programmers from all around the world come and, and talk about their craft. And do you think do you expect a new Angry Birds <laughs> to come out of that? I, I have no idea. Did you what see the... some guys lurking at the back of the room <laughs> yeah, taking yeah. notes? Possibly, possibly. Actually, uh, I was really surprised the, uh, one of the creators of Minecraft was there. Wow. So I'm looking forward to see what they might do. Wow.
5: <laughs> um, it, it, is, it is interesting physics because it, it, it can be subjective in games, can't it? There was a, I, I read a discussion about the physics of Angry Birds versus Flappy Birds because they're quite different in game. Flappy Birds appears to fall faster. Um, and, and yet Angry Birds feels more re- realistic, but I believe that the Flappy Bird way it accelerates is is slightly different and yeah
11: right so people analyzed the 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 physics of uh flappy bird and compared that to angry birds and they found that flappy bird is actually using a very realistic gravity so the flappy bird falls very quickly but it doesn't feel like it because of angry birds right right so that that's very interesting in games is that uh if you get to a, used to a certain kind of feel and for how it feels, that becomes what your idea of realistic physics is. Right. So how long have you been at Blizzard? I've been at Blizzard since 2006.
5: Okay. And so uh, were they cool with uh, this sort of open source stuff? or
11: like? Yeah, so I had actually... Uh, out box 2d before i joined blizzard and i told them hey i got this thing is that okay and they said sure come work with us right so that was really cool and it's really awesome that they they allow me to continue supporting that excellent do you see a a blizzard
2: angry birds crossover in the future maybe (laughs) some of the ips mixing i can see a sort of kingdom
11: hearts style mashup (laughs) so what are you up to for the rest of the show I'm just uh you know, meeting lots of cool people and, and checking out all the new technology and going around and, and, and seeing the talks and yeah, it's just great to, to connect with so many game developers from around the world. What's the coolest thing you've seen? I, I saw some announcements today and I'm I'm kinda interested in, in what's going on with so there's there's Unreal Four is coming out, and it's going to be you're going to get full access to the the source code. That's really cool, and it's cheap, isn't it? As well, yeah. So they're right. not
5: selling it as a one-off license; it's a monthly subscription, like Creative yeah. Cloud.
11: Yeah, it's it's great. So I, I think that's really going to empower a lot of game developers. It's definitely, yeah. But, you know,
5: the, the the idea that I think it's nineteen dollars a month. Uh, which is you know, makes it available to a
2: huge number of people. So that's really exciting. Maybe you could get that, Simon, as well. <laughs> no,
5: I did think about it. Yeah, get that and not use it. We've
2: been trying to make a game for several years. Simon's been through all of the... the... I bought GameMaker.
5: Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that is literally a start, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and actually, talk to which. GameMaker have announced PlayStation support, haven't they, this morning as well? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like uh, the, 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 the tools are there, basically, to empower anybody. Um, except for us to make, <laughs> to, make, to make to make video games. because we
3: have no ideas. That's
5: true. Um, and so the results of your physics workshop yesterday, Well, can people see that? Is that available online anywhere? Any code that we can mess with? Or
11: So we'll be putting all the presentations up on my website, which is box2d.org. And you'll be able to watch all the tutorials on the GDC vault.
2: Great. Amazing. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Here we are still at GDC 2014. Uh, this is One Life Left versus Gamma Sutra. Gamma Sutra has gone AWOL. Gamma um, Sutra
2: was taken very, very casually.
3: Very wasn't he? casually. He Just had a sandwich. Eating a sandwich while Peter Molyneux was talking. <laughs>
5: <I> <laughs> actually, doesn't seem respectful, does it? Just. Uh,
10: <laughs> I actually ordered a, a hamburger. Did you? Uh, it'll be We're here
5: soon. Wait a minute, who are you? I'm Matt Pearsall. Hello, Matt. How's it going? Good. It's great. Thank How you are for you? coming on the show. Yeah, really well. Thank you. for enjoying our time. As we do uh, every year. So, what have you been up to here?
10: Um, so, last night I stayed up until five in the morning. Uh, I was at my brother's house. We did push-ups. Um, we played some games called this one game about kicking each other. I think that's literally the goal. is right. like you jump up and you kick someone.
5: Jump, uh,
10: jump, kick. It's called jump kick. Yeah. yeah, it's
5: a pretty fun game. Yeah,
10: yeah we got into it. We stayed oh, five in the morning. So, <laughs> cool. yeah, um, I've been yeah just uh, catching up with old friends and uh, you know going out, going around, and showing people uh, the project that we've been working on and.
6: Yeah,
10: that kind of thing.
3: What is the project that you've been working on? Well,
10: Anne, I'm glad you asked. Aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a music creation game called Cosmic DJ, and uh, you know this thing is it's 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 big. I mean, literally, we could be swimming in tens of dollars in like. <laughs> Whoa! So I don't want to oversell it or anything. Let's
3: ride this train. Yeah, it's a
10: bit like a you know if you ever had a life changing experience. It's kind yeah. of sort of what we're going. Okay. For. Yeah.
5: I never have. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. Now maybe I will with yours. I've heard of Cosmic DJ, haven't I? Uh, Perhaps, yeah. Yes, I have. Where have I heard of it? Uh,
10: so of
5: it? Uh, we did a. Uh, we're working with a company called Devolver Digital.
12: Yes, that's
10: right. Right, and those guys work with the uh, the Blambeer guys. They're
5: good guys, aren't they? Yeah, the Devolver. Yeah. yeah. Fun people to hang
10: out with. Yeah. And good good guys all the way around. Um, so yeah, we're working with them, and uh, we're kind of just now finished with it. We're finally getting it out, and we released in a Devolver Digital humble bundle. Very recently, as kind of a, a test run. To okay. See how it how it went. How yeah. did that go then? It's it's gone pretty well. I think we're it's not like a huge huge seller so far, but it was more considered a soft launch. I think we have uh, we've got the the apps in about 20,000 people's hands right now. Okay. So it's a fair good you know test test pool. So, so
2: can you describe yes. what you do in Cosmic DJ?
10: Yes. Okay. So in Cosmic DJ, there's these little stories that that. Uh, basically there's this really bad DJ his name's Steve Four and then there's a good DJ and his name's Steve Three and he's the sort of like he's a ball of light because you know we did a lot of uh, we did a lot of uh, focus testing and people really just related to balls of lights and rabbits
2: for some reason more than anything <laughs> so like universal themes who exactly. doesn't like a ball of light
10: everyone loves a ball of light so i think what we did what we do need to do after a bit of testing is i think we need to add googly eyes to it so right. give it a bit more personality um, so you follow around this follow around this ball of light through uh these these series of things called jam tennis and then you make sweet jams and repair the jam tenor. Okay. And it's not really like it's not really a game game. It's more of a game toy. Right. It's a it's a kind of a thing that you play, and it's a gamified
2: way to create music. It's it's got a heavy
10: sequencer element, hasn't it? It's yeah. It's basically if you break it down, it's like a combination between an MPC and a, a an old Roland eight hundred eight style sequencer. So it's that, but, like, that's your game mechanic. So sequence. I believe I believe you're going to uh, illustrate this, work well, through yeah, the medium of sound. I am. So I want you guys to imagine, um, if you will, the listeners at home, imagine a huge rainbow appearing right now. Um, I'll describe on screen. Okay, so there's the ball of light. You guys see Steve Here. Floor? Got a yeah. ball of light. Yeah, love it. So I'm going to do a quick play level. The quick play just, like, lets you... Cr- create a quick jam okay. and then uh, submit that to SoundCloud right. I gotta stand up to do this because it's like kind of performance well of course.
6: yeah yeah <laughs>
10: Basic level here. So now we're taken to the screen and it asks us if we want to record our jam and it's going to literally make it an MP3 and so we can create our cover art.
5: Wow! So uh-huh.
10: so there we are and uh, I'm going to have you shooting red lasers out of your eyes. Yes, please. Yes. That's so Anne. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we'll be frying a hamburger, um, yeah. you know, just rockets. I mean, we just went really nuts with this thing. And then, so this, once you're done with this, you actually submit this to, uh, to SoundCloud and then you can share it with your, your buds.
5: All right, are you going to submit that to SoundCloud now? Sure. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, just to explain what happened there was that you laid down uh, the basics and then you switched instruments, you tapped over that, and it, exactly. it, ma- and it sounded wonderful. Exactly. Thank you.
3: Would it sound wonderful if I did it? Yeah. It feels like maybe you've had a better practice. Uh, <laughs>
10: Anne, I think it would sound better if you did it, honestly. I don't, it, I,
3: don't. It's made, I don't. It's
10: specifically made for people that are not me. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> right. that you guys fit that We oh, yeah, are definitely not. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I don't for- want to get too meta here. But <laughs> <laughs> what formats uh, is it available on? Uh, this is iOS. Is it the, coming to Android? Uh, PC and Mac Android uh, has an audio latency issue that won't allow us to actually put the app on unfortunately really? I would love it if uh, oh, we could rubbish. put it on an Android but yeah
5: exactly so yeah. Well, that's me and Steve <laughs> out, our song is now uploaded Google
3: our song is public so do we have a um, I can th- give you wh- a link to this yeah I yeah. can get a link to that thank okay
5: you. well we'll put it in the podcast description yeah beautiful excellent okay, well, we'll thank you ever so much for coming you. on that's, that's brilliant uh, Yeah, uh, have, a, have a good show alright you too thanks so much for having me on
2: Welcome back to One Life Left, broadcasting live from GDC 2014. This is One Life Left versus Gama Sutra.
3: Oh, I see Gama Sutra in front of us. Really? Strolling along, going Swerving into another left.
2: room. Has he eaten his sandwich yet? Yeah,
3: it's done. It's finished. So, what is he? So, he's actually off now
5: to go and do what he said he was going to do. So, why did he leave so early? I don't know. It might have been something he been he's doing. Uh, mm. I do uh, so, yeah, we are continuing to broadcast from the show floor. We can see people streaming in to see the Shenmue uh, post-mortem.
3: It almost looks like they're coming to see us, but not quite. <laughs> but not, they
5: keep going. But one man who is not uh, going to see that story uh, is our new guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh,
13: hello, I'm Daniel Benmergy. Hello, Daniel. Uh, independent developer. Game maker.
5: How's it going? And I'm not going to ashamed. No, not
6: interesting. Because in I, that. Never, oh, I
5: never wait. played a game. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it isn't as good as people remember. Let's be honest. Yes, yes. And awesome. I think that'll
2: be the takeout of the section Whereas, going. Whereas we are much better <laughs> than people remember. <laughs> so, uh, Daniel, what brings you to GDC this year?
13: Well, I've been coming here for all the, last, the past 10 years. Okay. So, so, so habit, maybe I'm just used to it here. <laughs> yeah. exactly.
5: A habit brings you
13: here. It's yep. just something that you do, like smoking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I'm here, I'm wondering what I'm doing here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so what are you doing here? Well, so um, mostly just attending talks, uh, meeting with people. I am from Buenos Aires, Argentina.
5: I've been there so once. Very, so very, I'm very, from very far away. It's a good so place, that, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's what? I, I, I went there many years ago. Okay. Yeah. It's Are fa- you sure fabulous. it was Argentina, not Brazil? No, it was Buenos Aires. No, people it, tend to confuse that. No, uh, yeah, um, it was excellent. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. We, we, uh, we, we played some, some uh, young Argentinian men at football, and we lost 24-2. Well, <laughs> they were very good. <laughs>
13: well, we, we tend to play... Even me, I'm a gamer here, so right. I'm not... Into sports and stuff, okay. and even I can play some soccer. Yeah. So you can, if Never I can play again. some
5: soccer, then yeah, right. <laughs> so how's the game uh, development
13: scene in Buenos Aires? Well, small, okay, and fragmented. Something that happened in, in South America in general was that uh, when it was the uh, social game craze, right? You know, there the singer. Uh, yeah, South America so, is yeah it was leading that, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the, a, a lot of big studios decided to move to South America uh, to reduce costs. So they opened up these really big studios uh-huh. that had like 500 people or so and then when it uh, when that crashed uh, suddenly a lot of very small studios started, started pop- popping up okay. because of uh, all the former employees of yeah. these big studios so right now the scene is very fragmented into small people doing small things fortunately uh, you, you know being making indie games is now in bog so a lot of people are, are trying to do that in South America which is much more feasible than uh, trying to make AAA games which right. like they did 10 years ago.
2: Can you tell our listeners about the game you're working on at the moment?
13: Well, um, I am working on a game called Ernesto, which is an RPG. I uh, I used to be working on Storyteller, but I decided to stop for a few months to take some time off, because I was developing Storyteller for uh, three years. So uh, now I'm making Ernesto, which is a very light, uh, lightweight, roguelike RPG game. A slash puzzle game that is weird, it is different, right? I mean, yeah.
2: Roguelikes are very fashionable at the moment, aren't they?
13: Yes, exactly. That's totally in vogue as well. So uh, so I guess my mind was filled with that.
2: And I Why? decided to... Why do you think uh, roguelikes have suddenly blossomed at the moment? Why do you think everyone's fond well, of it? Well, I think we are in a sort of renaissance of hard games. Mm-hmm. Right,
13: So we're getting over the wave of yeah, casual games, make games easier, accessible, whatever. So we're now uh, seeing a lot of very hard games for pop. And people seem to like that. Because, you know, uh, people like hard games. They just don't like... I don't.
3: <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Well i'm
13: pretty sure that if i dig i will find some game that is hard to play that you enjoy
2: i think that's true because Anne, weren't you addicted to maverick bird for a while and that's oh, yeah. very very oh it's
3: super hard but i had to stop because i uh, it was becoming very demoralizing
2: mm-hmm.
3: um i just wasn't getting very far at all so i yeah i guess maybe i enjoy them but and only so far
2: actually hard is a, a, a weird word in video games because as long as a game is known to be hard then you don't feel bad by failing at it all the time. So a game like Super Meat Boy, where the whole point is death and death and death and death and then success or Dark Souls again, you don't feel terrible. I guess it's more about a game being unfair. Uh, That's what people don't like. And I think that's what you don't like as well, Simon.
5: Yeah, I'm also not very good at hard games. (laughs) That's it. And yeah, I know when you start approaching my age, what you need is affirmation in your skills at at, at every stage. And scoring three on Flappy Bird is is just not for me. I I see. Well, I, I think...
13: I think as you get older you also uh, value your time differently. Yeah, it's exactly so that, yeah. hard yeah. usually means you will have it's to spend a long exactly, time yeah, on yeah. this and yeah. maybe you don't want to yeah. do that. That's why I, I think games like Super Hexagon uh, were successful because it's hard but, it's but quick. it doesn't yeah, yeah but it's a- quick. So you don't yeah, waste,
2: you don't, waste you don't feel
5: like you're wasting your time trying yeah. to master something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Super Hexagon made Simon very unhappy.
5: No but I do like Super Hexagon <laughs> as well yeah. It's uh, yeah it's, it's excellent. But Dark Souls I've I, I've tried many times to get into and yeah, I just feel like it, it starts off at a level that's so far ahead of where I will ever be. But, yeah, I, I, I'm just no, no, I'm no, gonna, I, I'm gonna leave I, that yeah, for, yeah. for
13: everyone else. Yeah, so I, I, the same thing happened to me. I, I, I can't play Dark Souls. Right. It's just, yeah. I'm not, I, I see it, and I don't, I'm not going to spend my time trying to do this.
2: Like, I like, could get you. off the tutorial.
13: Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I don't want to play this. That's what I felt. Uh,
2: so can you tell us a little bit about what Ernesto is going to bring to the roguelike genre?
13: Well, it's quick. Uh, yeah, I'm designing the game, too. Uh, it, it doesn't do any repetitive things. You have to play several times to get good at it. But it's mostly mental. It's not about Twitch or anything like that. Uh, it's mostly mental. And I'm designing games so after you've seen the most interesting things that the game has to show you, it ends
2: amazing thank you so much for coming on the yes, radio good, uh, good luck with it we look forward to seeing it and uh, yeah thanks for coming on the show thank, thank you.
5: you welcome back to One Life Left versus Gama Sutra uh, at GDC 2014 uh, we've, we've had some live feedback from some people that have been on the show oh, on this show uh, they've been feeding back to us via social media. Has
3: it all been positive, Simon? It
5: has. Um, Matt, uh, Matt Pearson says, thanks for having me on the show, gang. No worries, Dang, Matt. You're welcome. Yeah, you are welcome, you Matt. You are welcome. Uh, Erin, uh, who was on, who was just on, um, I'm not sure how to take this feedback. Like, so <laughs> oh, good. Just had a short interview with a friendly crew at One Life Less. So She says we're friendly, but he mm-hmm. seems to be complaining about the length of it. I mean, people, I'm not
14: sure.
3: People will complain about that, Simon. Yeah, we'll
14: see. Um... <laughs> But we are delighted to be joined by somebody else who can give us some feedback after this. Well, I'm going to be on for an hour, right? Okay, well... <laughs> That's so what I was promised. We consider that short, actually. Okay. Um, and you have to let us know whether we're friendly. Hello, welcome. Who are, who are you? My name is Sean Vanneman. Hello, Sean Vanneman. I make video games at a company called Campo Santo here in the city. I used to work at a company called Telltale Games. Uh, excellent. Um, how's it going? Pretty good. Yeah. When were you at Telltale? Great. I was at telltale from two thousand and eight until mid two thousand and thirteen okay so do, did we meet you when we came to your
5: offices last time unclear yeah that 's how I feel <laughs> about that night as well <laughs> yeah it, it, maybe I, I, did I ki- feel like i 've never met you before or i would I kicked some booze out of someone 's hand whilst playing an unannounced game. Um, Wow! After that, that sounds like yeah, something I would do. I didn't mean to, but but it, it, and then I got hiccups. Can really we discuss intent? Were you? Is this like a roundhouse kick? Yes, was an but accident? I was interacting with the connect, with the connect, so oh, uh, oh, okay. so I didn't oh, see oh, that it was there. But okay. um, it it sounds like uh, that wasn't mentioned subsequently by the uh, by like the office manager at Telltale. I could just be being polite. Okay, all right,
14: thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's possible.
2: And no, um, so, can you tell us a little bit about your new company? I can tell you a very little bit of it. Very no. small, uh, yeah. small amount.
14: No, so um, we started a company uh, in October, I guess, officially, if you inquire with the Secretary of State of California.
2: <laughs> we will um, do. exactly. Yeah, we i know, I've,
14: I've been told that that will be the first thing that you guys do. <laughs> so I'm rigorous. under the impression that the journalistic expertise at this table is second to none. Um, so I expect that to happen. But, uh, yeah, so we've started a company in October. Um, it's myself. And uh, Jake Rodkin, who was, uh, I guess, sort of like my cohort at Telltale, um, for quite some time, and we're joined by just a bunch of really talented people from around the industry who decided to do a crazy thing with us. So um, we're eight right now. Uh, it's Jake and I, a guy named Nels Anderson, formerly of Clay, who worked on *Mark work of the Ninja*. A guy named Will Armstrong, uh, who was from Two K and worked on the *BioShock* series. Uh, a girl named Jane, who's our environment artist, um, who worked at Double Fine. It's like a pretty good... Uh, it's a pretty great crew. And our like creative director is a guy named... Or I guess our art director is a, a British guy, a British fellow named Molly Moss, um, who has a 2D background, but is sort of setting the style for the game that we're
5: working right. on. So how does something like that come about then? You, so you're at Telltale and you're working away on whatever it may be. Do you suddenly... Does
14: one person go, hey, should we and do our own thing. Um, Hold on. I also left out Chris Remo, who is a very talented programmer, audio guy. The team keeps growing. So, okay. Sorry, but um, how does that happen? Um, I don't know, you know, um, I think a long time ago is sort of, it's always the dream to sort of do, like, try to, like, strike it on your own and see, if, see, how, see how it goes. Uh, I personally have always had trouble with authorities. I think <laughs> in my life, <laughs> so I think I have had a an, an very like natural draw to wanting to try to do our own studio. And I think when it came to like our specific stories, uh, when it comes to Jake and I, we shipped a game we were proud of with a great team. Uh, looked at sort of like our lives and the clock and right. say well if we don't try to do our own thing right now you we never might do never it. do it yeah, yeah. so it was more of that than anything else and i think um that's sort of a common thread with everybody okay. at the studio was sort of oh i've been in AAA or i've been in big development for a long time if i don't take a risk and try to start something from scratch right now i'll probably never do it and i won't have known what it's like and the upsides of it, this i mean i you stop learning you know for a long time like jake had been at telltale for almost eight years right um, and was very, 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 very good at making a Telltale game. Yeah, like, yeah. He was very good at it. And now we're really bad at making games again. <laughs> we're awful. We are just hot garbage. So, what's so it? Um, <laughs> what, what, what are you making badly at the moment? We're making a game called Firewatch. Um, I'll plug it by saying you can see it at firewatchgame.com on the Internet. It's also optimized for mobile, the website, not necessarily the game. The game is only <laughs> announced for uh, computing devices. Okay. Yes. So can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, it's, um, it's so funny because we never had to pitch it. So when I have to pitch it to people now that it's public, it's really peculiar for me to have to do. It was just a thing we kept sharing with people, and then we found a little money for it, and we made it. we uh, right. starting to make it. But uh, Firewatch is a story about a guy who retreats from his relatively like difficult life To sort of get away from some things that are haunting him by taking a job in the middle of nowhere in a state in America called Wyoming in a fire lookout tower and he's in contact with one other person, his superior a woman named uh, tentatively Delilah and on his first day on the job he sees something from his tower that is peculiar and out of place and you go out and explore it and in doing so you sort of start to build a relationship with the woman on the other end of this radio that you're talking to, uh, the character himself, and sort of his grasp of uh, reality a little bit, I guess I would say. It's um, really, it's, it's a first-person game. Uh, you make a lot of dialogue choices. You reach out and touch things with your hands, and you explore a space Uh, We're trying to sort of, like, reveal the world in the way you would, like, a Metroid game or something like this. And the story takes place over a summer. Right. And it's equal parts sort of like a mystery thriller, but that's sort of the veneer for the character story that we want to tell about this particular guy. Uh, A goal of this game, like the games we worked on in Telltale, is really to get people to carry the specific baggage of of a character to really sort of connect with a specific human being's, like emotional state and see how people react so you been making choices and moving through a story of uh that's hopefully relatively um taught
5: right <laughs> yeah sounds excellent when's it, so when's it when's it's uh, going to be released um i don't know
14: <laughs> um, we were literally like the point of announcing it super early was just so we could talk about it and create a relatively lively discussion on our blog uh We've always sort of been jealous of our friends with small companies who've been able to do that. Uh-huh. Um, so we're looking for sometime next year. You okay. know, some, sometime probably not early next year, but in the heart of 2015, hopefully cool. our game will appear.
2: So we'll be able to get a, an update at GDC 2015. Like, Absolutely, we'll be here again. Yeah. You'll be here again. And-
14: My gosh, at GDC 2015, who knows what you'll be able to see? <laughs> it could be, it could be really incredible. It could also, I might have like this. Part of my hair has been grayed by the game industry, and I might just be full full silver um, by then. So, we look we'll forward see. to finding out. Yeah. Thanks so I much. Don't. Thanks, sir. Thanks sir. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank
2: you. One life left, broadcasting live from GDC, and we have an emergency special <laughs> oh. guest.
12: Whoa, yeah, he <laughs> He's breaking what, the death. Quite an entrance. Hello. It's Rupert. Rupert Logan, hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I was just walking past. Yeah,
3: what, yeah you what, made a mistake. What were you
12: intending to do? Where were you going to? Um, I was going to pick up my wristband Not for anymore. the wargaming party. Oh, okay. So, but I'd rather speak to you. It's yeah, well, more, exactly. more exciting. Uh,
5: how's it going? Good. And what's so special about the wargaming party? What's going to happen there?
12: Uh, probably hookers. Right. Uh, uh, vodka. Okay. That's not a generalization, it's just a that's a fact. Regular a <laughs> night at uh,
3: uh, Eurogamer, though, isn't
12: it? <laughs> <laughs> no, is it? Well, in a day at Eurogamer.
5: <laughs> so, uh, when you come to GDC, do you look at it with a sort of critical eye, given that you now run your own events, very successful? Uh, you do EGX and REST, two different events. Uh, different purposes one's the sort of indie game one in Birmingham which is happening quite soon isn't yeah ne- it?
12: next week uh, it 28th next week? to 30th of right. March wow
5: yeah. so do you look around here looking for inspiration do you look around with envy or do you look around just with disdain going this is pathetic
12: uh, a healthy mix of those three <laughs> yeah. um, well I've been talking to uh, some developers about talking at our event so, okay. so that kind of thing does go on and uh, yeah kind of having a look around seeing I haven't had a chance but I want to go to see the IGF and see yeah kind of what games are there and whether they'll be at our shows as well and speak to some people about that Um, yeah and kind of just soak it all up yeah because uh, um, EGX you have a
5: it's it's a consumer event in London uh, in uh, end of September is it or October uh, yes
12: end of September are yeah. um, t- tickets sold out uh, no they go on sale on the 1st of April Okay. so this is good open PR your, open
2: your browsers now and sit there till April the 1st have you yeah. been talking to any radio shows about presenting live from about EGX about official
12: I can offer you that do you want to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah why wouldn't we um, well, a few reasons, I would imagine, <laughs> but, you know, you, like, um... Should we well, do it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay. Okay.
5: Good. That's agreed. Um, right. But, uh, so yeah, the, uh, the, so it's a consumer exhibition where people can play games that uh, haven't come out yet, but also uh, above that, above the show floor, you have a series of industry talks, and they're usually pretty pretty heavyweight, aren't they? Lots of uh, exclusive Yeah, yeah. Stuff uh,
12: there. We had Hideo Kojima last yeah. year, which was cool. We've had uh, the Bioware Doctors there, and, you know, kind of various announcements and things. Yeah. Uh, can't talk about who we've got this year uh, but we've got at res uh, dean hall yes. which is quite exciting and and will porter our friend Excellent. friend of one li- yeah. li- life left i yeah. would imagine <laughs> um yeah so yeah lots lots of good indies also i'm curating the game horizon conference so talking to people about uh, the future of the industry and and so that's an of, industry
5: uh, conference yeah, in newcastle
12: it, yeah in may yeah which i've always enjoyed going up there as well yeah.
5: you're a man of many talents rupert keep keep busy how do you find the time to walk the show floor
12: well this is my only gap actually Is it? (laughs) thank you you for filling it
3: I am very good at (laughs) booking
12: yeah yeah yeah. I've got about 40 or 50 meetings uh, so I had an hour free just now uh, because something got rearranged so I was going to go have a look around but um, now I'm sitting here at the bottom (laughs) of an escalator being quizzed excellent well it's
5: always a pleasure to have you on good luck with the events and stuff keep us posted and uh, yeah we'll we'll see you live from the uh, Eurogamer Expo
12: thanks very much (laughs) (laughs) you <laughs>
2: One life left. We're a radio show about video games. Very lucky to be broadcasting from GDC. How do you think it's going, Anne?
3: I think it's going incredibly well. We've had some spectacular guests on so far. Do
2: you think it's going better or worse than it did last year?
3: Well, it's hard to say really because we're with Simon this year. Team reunited.
2: Exactly. If um, only if only we could compare our radio show with some guests that we have had on last year.
3: That would be handy, <laughs> wouldn't it?
2: Objective comparison. Hello, do you want to introduce uh, yourselves?
15: Uh, okay, hi, I'm Reagan.
16: I'm Mare.
15: Uh, we're MetaNet
2: Software. How's it going?
15: Great. What's good. What's happened since the saw you last? Uh, oh,
2: 365 days have passed. <laughs> Approximately? In a blur, mostly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know what's happened. Your game is very much denounced now. It's been all over the PlayStation blog. That's right. uh, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about it?
16: Okay, well, it's N++. Uh, it's... It's for PS4, and it's a kind of a minimalist um, action platformer, starring a ninja.
2: Um, Simon. Oh, Simon's off. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, so I've just seen Simon. Uh, so,
6: yeah, just... Hi, Simon. So I
2: know, uh, I know that, um, that last year we talked about the sort of uh, troubles you had developing it and how it hadn't been plain sailing. Has the last year been any easier?
15: Yeah, it, like it finally came together... I guess around the end of the summer.
16: Yeah, like, right now we're only at Alpha, but the fact that we're even at Alpha is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, this is kind of the first time we can show anything um, for real, like a playable demo of M++, and uh, it's just so nice to finally be there.
2: And you've been showing off to people uh, over GDC. What's the reaction been like?
15: Oh, great. Uh, Yeah, everyone, like we didn 't know if people would really like because the, the new art style is sort of like even more minimal and stripped down than uh, n plus, but everyone has really responded well to it, and they like people seem to like it i mean they they hate it, but they like it, they like <laughs> to hate it they, it's frustrating
2: that's that's something we were talking about a second ago about the um, the idea of difficulty in games games being hard or games being unfair, and that must be quite a hard thing to design for
16: yeah definitely it's all about that balance between you know you there's a challenge and you want to keep playing the level until you get it but you know it, it's it's not so frustrating that you then throw down the controller and scream out of the room
2: right because if death is expected in a video game then death is no longer a punishment it's just something you have to go through to get to it well
3: it almost becomes sort of a rhythm like if you get used to oh okay well i died at that bit that's fine and you sort of get into a rhythm of restarting and, and going through it again so it doesn't make it quite as uh, soul-destroying. <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> For want of a better word. And who wants to make a soul-destroying game, apart from perhaps the makers of Dark Souls, <laughs> Demon Souls, and that sort of thing? Um, what have you seen at the conference, apart from your own game?
15: Uh, honestly, no, we, we, we've just been cooped up in a hotel room uh, meeting with press the whole time.
16: Yeah, it's really strange, because I know there's so much going on. Like, I mean, we had IGS passes, but we didn't get to see anything in the IGS, which was... Really disappointing because I heard it was really great, but
15: yeah. We uh, N plus plus is at the Sony booth, but we haven't even seen that Absolutely. yet. No. But we're hoping to because we really want to try Sports Friends, and that's in the Sony booth as well. So hopefully, maybe tomorrow we'll have like an hour
2: free. Yeah. Um, you guys are from Toronto, which has a really, really strong game development scene, doesn't it? How do you, how do these little bubbles of game development arise? Uh, I mean, it's quite a, a broad socio-economic question. Perhaps you're not qualified mm. to answer it, but it was <laughs> it was in it was in my head, so I asked it. it.
15: It definitely comes up a lot, and no one has a great answer.
16: I mean, there's a theory that there's something in the water
3: in this
6: <laughs> yeah.
3: Toronto. But have you been putting something in the water? <laughs>
15: yeah. I mean, it's even weirder than just Toronto, but because John Mack and Sean McGrath, like the everyday shooter and sound shapes person and the dyad person, both went to the same high school, even, yeah. and they like. It, so there's, all, and I think two of the people at Cappy went to the same. Like it's,
2: it's pretty. So it might not be something in the water. It might be something in the cafeteria. Yeah,
15: like that. But but I, I, think it's just like there were no, no studios, no big studios, no jobs. So everyone sort of had to create their own jobs, kind of thing, and do their own thing. And also, uh, there's a really cool uh, thing called the o- OMDC, Ontario Media Development Corporation, which is like a government-funded agency that gives grants to like to try to stimulate small business which i think that's a real big reason why it's to the like for instance uh they pay for half of your expenses when you attend trade shows outside of canada and we like the first year we went to gdc we wouldn't have been able to afford it if we hadn't gotten that grant Does so that it was really important
2: effectively all your drinks are half price
15: uh, it only <laughs> covers uh, flight and hotel, uh, okay. so we're close to uh, uh,
2: almost. When can we expect uh, N plus um, plus?
16: Well, we're not really sure because we're still. I mean, it has to feel right, and there are still we're still working on some of the competitive multiplayer modes, so we don't know um, how long it's going to take to balance that properly. But this year, or else I think it might kill us. So yeah, it's for be sure this year.
15: before the end of the year, but hopefully not right at the end of the year yeah
2: okay we're super excited and we look forward to having this conversation at GDC 2015 (laughs)
6: thanks (laughs)
2: But with a different tone again thanks so much (laughs) thank you Uh,
3: back again at GDC uh, 2014 we've been talking about GDC 2015 already
2: because we're we're ahead of the game
3: we're very ahead of the game Uh, sorry about
2: that I tried to
5: pop off
3: yeah, thanks, Simon. Uh, where,
5: where did you go? I bumped into a friend of mine i would not seen for literally eight years, I wow. guess, yeah. He's now working at Ubisoft. Uh, he was producer on South Park. Really? Why
3: yeah. We get him on the show.
2: Uh, he he's had a run off, but he said oh. he might pop back. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so, Anne, are, are we out of guests? Is that it for the day?
3: <laughs> are we out of guests? Not what I'm booking them with, aren't <laughs> Hello, new guest. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners, please?
0: Sure. But a little too close to the mic. My name is Jeffrey Zetkin. I was a game dev for about a decade. I was one of the original designers of a MMO called EverQuest on the original team. We've heard of that. And I now work or actually run EDAR, which is the biggest market research firm for video games in the world. We help companies lose less money. <laughs> How's that going? Whoops, let me shift my mic here. <laughs> it's actually going really well. We um, work with, at this point, the top 20 publishers, okay. more than 50 devs, and you know all that research you'd think some of the really big companies did, would do before they spend, say, $100 million on a game? Right. We're often the guys that they outsource that to, or that help them collect the data and do diligence on, you know, we have 10 games we could do, which games will give us the best ROI? Or okay. is this feature we're spending 10 million to put in? Or how many copies should we print? To you know, ship into the stores because, for example, when you print a game onto the Xbox, you pay Microsoft a royalty for every game you print, not every game you sell. Yeah. So, say you print. It's a risky business isn't Yeah. It? And so we, as I said, we help people lose less money and do it a little smarter. I was
5: um, working with somebody last year, uh, and they, um, he was a, a marketing ma- marketing director for a large publisher, and he said he could. Predict mm-hmm. uh, with some accuracy. Uh, so he would know what a game w- week one sales would be mm-hmm. within 10%. Is that the sort of thing that you can. He might have gotten it from us. Yeah. Well, wow. this is so, one of the things we do. Is it? So mm-hmm. how do you. I just thought he was very clever. I didn't realise he was. He, was well, he may be doing it himself. He it was we're,
0: subcontract. Right. You, you were giving him his info. So how do you do that? So, do you know Pandora, the Music Genome Project? Yeah. The radio station? Yeah. And you know how they work. You know, they go out and they collect data, attribution data, on every music song that they put in. Say, okay, you know, female vocalist, this kind of beat, this kind of rhythm, this kind of this. We have a staff that on-site looks at every commercial game that comes out. And we have about 15,000 objectively quantifiable data points that we research. And by that, that means there's a single right or wrong answer. So, we don't say we like it. We say this kind of camera angle this kind of multiplayer this kind of literary genre you know these kinds of playable characters so we do attribution for this and then we work with groups that do measurement so like NPD measures sales in the yeah. US Nielsen measures marketing and so we with our BI so- business intelligence software bring all their data in so for their clients say you're a big group and you say okay you know we need to know the average market spend to get this level of consumer awareness on this kind of title coming out. We need to know it, you know, for the all the games in the last four years. We'd say, oh, it's a first-person shooter on the Xbox with a female lead protagonist in a sci-fi setting with strong use of co-op. And this, this, this. Here are the eight games like yours, and here's what they did. Right. So you can contextualize the data and actually make a little smarter of a decision. Especially on the really expensive games.
2: Yeah, yeah. Wow, absolutely fascinating. So based on the um, lineup and the quality Mm -hmm. and the attractiveness of this radio show, (laughs) could you tell us our... You'll be wildly
0: successful. There we go.
5: That's all we wanted to hear. So how do you... um, Do you do um, focus
0: groups as well? No? We do pretty much only quant data, no qual data. So we do... Um, we may get into that at some point in the yeah. future, but that's one of our differentiations is that we don't do a lot of opinion-based things. We do have an analyst group that will take the large group of data and use their expert judgment to help make really good insights off of that. But
5: So a, a question that gets asked uh, mm-hmm. reasonably frequently, it, when, a, when a, a game which hasn't scored particularly well mm-hmm. tops the
0: charts... Yeah. Why does that happen? Almost never happens. Okay. I mean, literally, almost never happens. Where, say, unlike the movie industry, you can get, you know, take the movie industry. Movie critics, do you know their reviews are not necessarily the same, indicative of what a block, summer blockbuster will do. You know, you got like Transformers, which got yeah. I think a 34 Metacritic, right, and was one of the top ten grossing movies ever. Well, the second one. Uh huh. That doesn't happen with games almost ever. Where I could show, you know, I showed a chart in my talk where it shows kind of buckets of review scores you know 50 to 60 60 to 70 70 to 80 and each one the average sales pretty much double all the way across just objectively so
5: so I I was trying to think of examples when you were talking so something like Aliens Colonial Marines which was panned by the press Mm Well, although, actually, I think that those scores came out too late for people to change their minds because there's mm. such a reliance on pre-orders and stuff like that these days. Mm. That um, And people were surprised when that uh, got to the top of the charts. And the the question then was, like, but do reviews still count?
0: Are they as important as they used to be? Is that- they are, though they're more important at the beginning of a console cycle than the end. Because okay. at the beginning, you have new properties, new IPs coming in and establishing themselves. Where you take, like, Aliens, one of the reasons we see it diminish is the prevalence of sequels where you know say you bought Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 even if Mass Effect 3 got panned which it didn't it was a fantastic game you're kind of interested in completing the trilogy right. completing the series so in some cases brands and sequels can help in a longer development cycle bring people on even when the reviews aren't as good but as I said, that that's a that's an outlier. Okay, That's, right. that's interesting to me
2: because the example that I was yeah. going to give was uh, Just Dance, mm-hmm. which is a game that was critically panned mm-hmm. and it was enormously successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I always thought the disconnect there was because the games
0: press are writing for a completely different oh, audience. Yeah. And part of that is, what I was going to actually bring up as a counter example is, so when the Wii launched, because it was aimed at an entirely different group, it was in some cases very unsophisticated on their purchasing habits. For the first, say, 15 months, there were nine games total that came out with a review score of 80 or above. Right. Total. And the rest, between a score of 50 and 80, there was appreciably no difference in unit sales for a game anywhere in that range because it was a group of people who weren't used to buying games and were buying more off of brand and cover. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it now, it follows the exact same kind of exponential sales curve where people have learned, oh. Not every game is going to be a good game, and they start asking their friends or they read a review score. They look for a little something beyond, ooh, shiny cover or, you know, well-known brand. And in some cases, you know, as I said, there are always outliers. There will always be things that disprove it. But if you were going to bet money on it, really realistically, high-quality games sell better people listen to michael pacto it sounds like you sounds like you've got
5: the actual answers oh is brilliant <laughs> yeah know. You know. But, but but he's he's always predicting the future
0: and, it, and and with him it's it's very much his opinion rather than you you've... well he's a subject matter expert expert he's an sme okay. okay and that he knows the game industry backwards and forwards you know we have multiple people like that working in our analyst department you know michael's you know i see michael all the time he's a brilliant guy. And in a lot of cases, he sifts through large amounts of data to make very informed decisions. But you know, Michael's allowed to give opinions. Right. We're not giving them facts. Right. Mm-hmm.
5: God, that's, that's uh, absolutely fascinating. So, um, uh, we've got Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes out as uh, out in the UK on Friday. Mm-hmm. How's that going to do, do you think? Because uh, that's interesting because it's very, very short.
0: Does that make it? Will that make a difference? It can. It depends. In some cases, on the value proposition you're selling to the customer. That you know, and it's different for different. You know, if you're selling a mobile game, you're promising you know multiple minutes of engaging entertainment over time. Console games tend to be we're selling you longer, more high fidelity experiences with more depth. And you know, here's the thing: I'll never call out a game until I've really done the research on it. Uh-huh. But a shorter experience for the right audience is not a detriment. I mean, so I'm almost forty. Actually, I am forty at this point. You know, uh-huh. a game that I can finish in four or five decent play sessions and feel like cool i'm done and i had a fulfilling experience that was good all the way through is completely awesome for me because i don't necessarily have the 28 plus hours of gaming uh, per week absolutely anymore agree. Yeah, yeah
5: and uh, that's why i ordered it this morning when i was sat outside a <laughs> cafe yeah uh, that's brilliant we should hang out more uh, mm-hmm. that's absolutely fascinating thank you very much for coming on the show thanks for having me thank you
2: I am absolutely fascinating guests it's i it been mean,
5: exhausting. Yeah,
2: really good. I feel so much smarter than I did about an hour ago.
3: But luckily, we're about to go out on our high. <laughs> Why's that? We've got a new guest in with us. Hello, Chris Harvey.
17: Hi, nice to meet you guys.
3: Uh, how are you? Who are you? And what are you doing?
17: That's a lot of questions. Yeah, let's go with who are you. Uh, I'm Chris Harvey, like you said. I'm from a studio called Drinkbox Studios. Uh, we made a game called Guacamole in the last year, uh, it's sort of a Metroidvania brawler.
5: I downloaded it on my honeymoon.
17: On, during I your did, honeymoon? Yeah, I
5: did, yeah, it came out when I was there. <laughs> I, had to, uh, I had to spoof the hotel Wi-Fi to enable my Vita to, to connect wirelessly to it, but that's the, that's the effort I went so I could play on the plane on the way back. Thank you. Yeah.
17: <laughs> yeah, and so I'm here, well... Well, I would like to see the conference, but mostly I'm meeting with people like yourselves and I'm doing a talk tomorrow and, you know, all the GDC business type stuff that happens.
5: So, Guacamole's done very well, isn't it? It's done well. Uh, yeah, we're happy. So it launched on Vita and then um, came out on PC recently, didn't it? Uh, Re- recent, recent, recent? Sort of recently.
17: Yeah, it came out on PS3 and Vita last year in April. Then Steam over the summer, okay. and then Mac and Linux just right. a few weeks ago. Yeah. It's
5: it's funny because uh, you were part of, the, of a recent humble bundle as well, weren't you? That's yeah. That's and when um, those came out for. It's strange uh, the psychology with that now because I didn't pick up that one because I owned Quackemeli and a couple of the other ones. E- like it felt like a waste buying it even yeah. though the ones I was getting were still massively underpriced do you think it's a strange no science? no I, I I mean I didn't have to buy the bundle because right. we were in the bundle <laughs> yeah. but I,
17: I thought that's a that's a great bundle With there were some fantastic yeah. games there but I actually would not have bought it because I already owned like, most of the games some of, yeah, yeah it's
2: strange isn't it you were on PSN Plus as well
17: weren't you we've done a PlayStation Plus deal in, uh, in, Europe. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. in Europe just in
2: Europe <laughs> yeah not in the US <laughs> t- t- we're comparing we're right. comparing okay How's, what, what are your um, conclusions so far based on that about, we, about we, PS Plus we've heard mixed things uh, on the radio show back in, in the UK we've had developers who've come on and said yeah we'd never do it because it completely uh, negates the value of our thing it means people don't buy games anymore they wait until they appear in PS Plus we've had other people who've loved it and it's done really well for them. Okay, well, there's, like, a few aspects
17: to that. Uh, first, as a developer, I mean, I wouldn't do PS Plus generally when the game launches uh, because you're missing a huge opportunity there to actually get sales. We've done a bunch of PlayStation Plus uh, deals, and we were very happy with them, did them sort of later, uh, later in the first year after the game was released, and, um, you know... There's sort of a good financial arrangement there with Sony that makes sense for us. Uh, You know, you're sort of doing it after after the game has petered off a little bit. So sort of in the small, just thinking selfishly, in the short term, it's a great thing. But I do have to say, I do have concerns about it long term. I have PlayStation Plus. When I first started using PlayStation Plus, I definitely bought a lot more games. Because I was in the store more frequently, and oh, there's a deal! There's a deal! There's a deal! But nowadays, I find that I don't buy them nearly as much. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, as a developer, I'm concerned about it. There's tons of great games coming out through PlayStation Plus all the time. And well, why would you buy games if you can just get them for free?
5: It's the. um, I mean, obviously, uh, it's in terms of volume, it's it's much lower. But I've got I've got the equivalent of the Steam pile of shame now and my PlayStation pile of shame, where I've just downloaded them and games that I've been interested in, like. Uh, Metal Gear Rising is still unplayed, um, and then uh, yeah, pl- plenty of others just sort of sit there because, yeah, you just, you just have them because you can, and then but you're not invested in them, you know, I think I, I actually didn't finish Guacamole because it got very difficult in one bit uh, I, you had to swap colours it was one particular screen uh, yeah, I found it very hard, but I, I played it for a long time because I bought it, you know, and, and uh, I'd, I'd invested £10 or however much it was, and or wanted to get out of it. I think that's. I think that's the danger with PlayStation Plus is that, that those games can become meaningless. On the flip side, though, I'm very much part of the Sony family. So you know, toss up between PlayStation Four and Xbox One. I'm going to buy a PlayStation Four because my PlayStation Plus works well, my Vita, my PS3, and now my PS4. So yeah, they've uh, they've got me. I mean, I was
17: told. I have been told in the past by people at Sony that PlayStation they they see PlayStation Plus overall raising the number of games that get sold. Sometimes these things can be very counterintuitive. I feel like I don't have enough data right. to be really sure what the net effect is over the long term. You should have met our previous guest. He had all the data, didn't he? <laughs> so
5: um, so uh, what's next for you guys?
17: Uh, well, uh, there's a new version of Guacamele coming out soonish. ish okay. That'll come out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and Wii U and Xbox 360. Um, and then after that, well, we have a new project that we'll probably be announcing in a few weeks. Can you announce it now? I cannot announce <laughs> it now. You could, but I, though, I, I can, could you? I can pre-announce it. <laughs> what color is it? It is uh, red and purple. Excellent. Thank right. you so much. Also, oh, before we go, what are you talking at the conference about? Uh, I'm going to be talking about... So, Guacamele is sort of our third game. Our first uh, our first game was... okay but, you know, maybe it didn't, wasn't maybe the best game. And was, that, was that Mutant's... Uh, that was our second, the second game. game. So was, the, first, first? the first game was about a blob, which is... A f- Mutant Blobs Attack was sort of a follow-on yeah. to that, yeah. and that game was substantially better. Yeah. Anyway, so the talk is basically about an, a, sort of a reflection on what we feel like we really screwed up with our first title and the changes that we made to our development process in order to be more successful with
5: Guacamelee. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, good luck with that. I hope it all goes well. Uh, thanks ever so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I enjoyed having you on. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll uh, chat to you uh, shortly. Bye-bye.
2: And that is the end of our radio show we should just finish it now <laughs> to play the
5: theme um, it's been a great show so I've really enjoyed that really really good good, good. good guest well done Anne. Anne
3: thank you yeah
5: what have we got lined up for tomorrow
3: I couldn't possibly okay. uh, say
5: but we will be back uh, same time tomorrow uh, before we go we should just name check uh, a very nice man who came to, and introduced himself What, what was he up uh, to uh?
3: so he works for Get well Gamers uh, at getwellgamers.org uh, which is a children's charity where people uh, send in their old games so kids go. can play them go
5: check it out yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Steve, uh,
3: have you enjoyed that? I did enjoy <laughs>
5: that.
2: And I'm going to continue enjoying it. We'll be back tomorrow. We will be back tomorrow uh, doing the show from the show floor again and then another show on Friday. And that will conclude One Life Left at GDC 2014. Let's not think about that at the moment.
5: No,
3: don't think about the end.
2: Thanks very much for listening.
3: Thank
6: Bye. Bye. <laughs>